Hello, I'm Ewan. And I'm Sean. And welcome to The Abyss. This week we're going to start off by talking about Theresa May's position as Prime Minister and how long and in what way that might last. And in the second half, we are going to discuss the recent G20 meeting, or G19 meeting, as some journalists are calling it. But talking about Theresa May and her position, uh, ever since the general election, she's been on shaky ground, I think it's fair to say. That's one way of putting it, yeah. Something akin to a magnitude 7 earthquake, I think. (laughs) Uh, Lots of MPs, even on the night, uh, calling for her resignation. Um, Obviously, that hasn't happened yet. There has already been some dissent. We had a vote put forward by the Labour Party for the lifting of the 1% pay cap on the NHS. It was voted down by the Conservatives. Unanimously, the Conservatives, the DUP, voted against it. It didn't go through. In the wake of that, uh, Jeremy Hunt, Health Secretary, and Justin Greening, Education Secretary, have called to take another vote on it and for the Conservatives to vote to lift the pay cap. This goes part and parcel with both Hunt and Greening's call for generally more spending in the public sector, something which has not been Conservative policy for a long old time, definitely not post-2008, and I think even before then, uh, it wasn't uh, at the top of the agenda. This is a... a Tory attempt on rolling back on austerity. Slowly rolling back on austerity. Slowly, very, very much slowly. Primarily, this is a a massive display of dissent. There's been a lot of discussion about Theresa May's lack of authority and the fact that she made such a catastrophic mistake calling the general election that she simply is not in any position to continue leading and thus certain politicians this being an example of it are using this weakened position of their leader to make advances in areas that would have been thought impossible before the election obviously this is very upsetting to a lot of conservatives this goes i'm sure uh, very much against what they stood for in the general election goes more towards the jeremy corbyn style of politics polling shows that the country is the most left-wing it's been for 15 years Jeremy Corbyn ran a very successful campaign on a very left-wing platform. This is, I think, Hunt and the more centre of the Conservative Party calling for steps to make themselves more electable. Obviously, if this ends in some kind of leadership challenge, the idea of a general election uh, within the next two years springs to the top of everybody's mind, especially everybody who affiliates themselves with the Labour Party, and the Conservatives look to avoid that. They do not want to uh, have any general elections. So they are playing this carefully. Exactly. They're playing the political game very nicely. What they're doing is they're recognising that if a general election was called now, with Labour six points ahead in the opinion polls, a general election now would likely swing to the left and the Tories would lose government. This is one of the. This is possibly the main reason why Theresa May is still Prime Minister. Because despite the fact that there is massive dissent in the ranks, the Conservative Party, almost on the brink of a similar civil war to what we had in the Labour Party, all of the Conservatives, regardless of what side of that, that battle they're on, want to stay in power. They're politicians, that's how they work. 
So, yeah. and they know that right now, removing Theresa May would probably trigger a general election and Labour would probably win that. What these guys are doing is they're dragging their party, kicking and screaming further to the centre, trying to win back some of those swing voters that went over to Labour during the election. There's even been mention of reviewing tuition fees. This is, again, a blatant attempt by certain members of the Tory party to win back some of those votes from students and from young people that went storming to the left this time round. So they're clearly paying attention to the public and they're trying hard, some of them, to, to tailor their policies to the public. But then you've got Theresa May at the helm, who is remaining pretty steadfast in certain views, drawing red lines all over the place. But she has dropped a lot of the manifesto. Um, what manifesto? Mandate... There was nothing in it. <laughs> this is true, but there are things like grammar schools, there are things like uh, free school meals, uh, which are no longer on the table. They're not even considering that anymore. Uh, she yep. herself has uh, been one of the people saying to review the position on education. Um, obviously, they took a lot of flack for their deal with the DUP, Um but I think that yeah, I, I mean, I think that they can still make ground back with younger voters or uh, slightly older voters who have maybe liberal leanings with this whole thing, um, especially if their position on Brexit shifts slightly. There's been further drama, some serious backroom discussions that have managed to find their way into the press, much to the chagrin of a number of politicians, I'm sure. Andrew Mitchell. Uh, a name that not many people have heard of, uh, backbench Tory MP, and, you know, so, I mean, important, definitely, but not the kind of person that you'd... He's not uh, a public expect... figure, he's not a household name. Yeah, certainly. it's not like she's being called out by Boris Johnson. No. He, in a private dinner, uh, called for Theresa May to stand down and for her to be replaced by David Davis, who is currently Secretary for Brexit. Mitchell was Davis's leader of operations during his leadership bid in 2005, his ridiculously unsuccessful one, I might add. And he has come forward, yes, in this private dinner and said that Theresa May uh, is a dead woman walking. She's not fit to lead. Uh, This was a dinner with other Conservative MPs. As far as the newspapers are concerned, the reaction of those present was mixed. Some agreed, some didn't. And he's backpedalled on the extent of his statements yes. since then, and he's derided other people making calls for Theresa May to stand down. But it raises this very interesting question of if they need to get rid of Theresa May because she is toxic to the Conservative Party, as many people would argue. Yeah. Uh, who do they get to do that? Yeah. Two name. Well, one name springs to mind: Boris Johnson. <laughs> Boris Johnson. And Boris Johnson is. A wild card. He made a stab. Really? At leadership attempt. <laughs> he made a stab <laughs> at the leadership attempt last time and was uh, stabbed himself by Michael Gove. Yeah. He has such a habit of saying things that could easily land him in hot water. He's established Tory through and through, and it's very unclear how the uh, voter would take him or his stances on a lot of things. I just can't predict what would happen if Boris Johnson were to become leader of the Conservative Party and take them into a general election against Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. I can predict that it would be a fun watch, but I can't tell you much more than that. 
No. David Davis, on the other hand, feels safer. He seems like he is very much the sort of character that would fit very nicely into the leadership role following on from Theresa May. He is the antithesis of Theresa May. Where she can seem quite robotic, he can be quite charismatic, he's quite boisterous, he's quite forward, he's quite outwardly powerful in his stances and in his practising of his profession. He looks confident, he speaks well, he has a macho swagger to him. Theresa May was an antithesis to Corbyn in the... Corbyn can campaign and Theresa May cannot. Uh, <laughs> uh, whereas Bojo is, I think, in many ways a parallel to Corbyn. Whilst he has spent a lot of time on front benches, which yeah, obviously Corbyn hasn't, he also is charismatic and young people like him. And even if you, like me, don't agree with what he has to say, it's hard to deny that he... A social media campaign with him at the helm, you can easily see being successful. Davis is different again. Yes, he's a definitely. he's a completely different kind of beast in that he doesn't appeal to the youth voter at all. Uh, in many ways, he he is, will never win over the likes of Cambridge or any of the young university swing seats. But what he would potentially do is win over vast sections of the North who are looking for a strong right-wing, almost UKIP alternative. In the same way that Nigel Farage was a personality, Davis fits into similar caricatures. It's a good parallel. He offers this this conventional, old-fashioned political power. He offers this strong and stable, dare I say it, male very sort of macho male presence which for the young for young people doesn't have much effect but for certain sections of perhaps older generations and for certain areas of the country that's what they're looking for they they want they want traditional political power and back. i mean he he worked in business he made a lot of money so he he does appeal to your tory voter but he's not etonian he's from york uh he didn't go to oxford he studied in warwick was born on a council estate he doesn't sound so much like he was born on a council estate but i reckon he could hammer corbyn on being unpatriotic he could hammer corbyn on being wishy-washy or being uh not safe with the way the same way ed yeah. Miliband lost a campaign to david cameron corbyn could lose a campaign to david davis exactly and the thing the thing with david davis versus theresa may as well is that obviously in her current position he is the beacon of strength in comparison to her current position but he also has delivered a number of very very good public appearances he's held his own very nicely on question time a couple of times which Leading up to their campaign, Question Time was a battleground. It was a difficult place, and he did very well. So in the public eye, he he is a strong character where she is not. I mean, he used to he and, used to work in the Whip's office where he earned the title uh, DD of the SS for being hardline. Wow. He hasn't proved himself to be good at campaigning necessarily. Obviously, he's got failed no. leadership attempts. He failed in 2005 with his official attempt. 
and he made moves at several points to try and rally power behind him, and it's rarely worked for him. So maybe he's not got a strong base within the Conservative Party, which might be an issue for him going forwards. Also, just to talk about his inability to campaign, and this may need to be edited out of of the podcast being crude. Obviously, his initials, DD, he did launch a campaign that featured buxom young women wearing shirts with his initials printed on him. Oh, dear. Missteps have been made uh, by David (laughs) Davis before. In a lot of the stuff I read about him, uh, it says that he often overplays uh, what he has, is uh, too confident, too boisterous. His position on Brexit might might help to rally the, the party behind him. He's he's a he's slightly more moderate than May, but not overly so. And with the strength that he would bring to the position, he might be able to, and his experience in the Whip's office actually, he might be able to pull the two halves of the Tory party back together before they descend into a a civil war like we saw on the opposite side I don't of the house. Necess- I, I don't necessarily know if he's softer on Brexit than May. Um, he was pro-Leave, which May wasn't. True. He is Minister for Brexit now, so their visions fall in line quite well. But he has support from the uh, pro-Leave side of the Tory party. But maybe he could offer out an olive, olive branch to maybe liberal voters uh, who are looking for security um, that they don't see in Jeremy Corbyn. Um but yeah, so overall, if he's going to make his attempt, he has to do it soon. Yeah, overall, over the last couple of days, lots of interesting stuff happening in the Tory party. Um, it's definitely going to be worth keeping an eye on. And hopefully, for us as podcasters, something exciting will happen during the summer recess so that we have something to talk about. Yes, uh, if he doesn't make a move before the summer recess, uh, history may well play itself again. Uh, he... Uh, could easily be usurped by some young up-and-coming uh, conservative backbencher. Yeah. I don't know if I mentioned him earlier, uh, but Daniel Poulter, I think we'll see a lot more of him over the uh, next few years. He's been very vocal on the issues of the NHS with Jeremy Hunt and Justin Greening. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a doctor, uh, a psychiatrist, I think. He has a bit more credibility with the left. He's in a very safe area of the country. He might not do as good at winning over um, the North, but he might do a better job of winning over London against Corbyn. Yeah. So, you know, there are other people who could come up over the course of the next two years who we favour. You have to remember that David Cameron was pretty new to the Conservatives when he took um, leadership. It's not unprecedented. It's possible for him to do something similar. And hopefully, as I say, for us anyway, um, he gives us something to talk about. Do you want to pronounce we... Hamburg for us? Just because just you, <laughs> you told me off in the week for getting it wrong. Hamburg. So. Hamburg. Hamburg. Ha- Hamburg. 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 Yeah. Cool. Hamburg. Bork. Not Hamburg, but Ham- as I said before. No, Hamburg. Okay, cool. Anyway, sorry. Right. <laughs> So the G20 has just happened and uh, lots of interesting stuff has taken place. Trump has done and said a lot of things. But first of all, we're going to have a chat about Theresa May and how she did. So, Ewan, how did our Prime Minister get on? Theresa May is in the beginning phases of leaving the European Union. And it's in her best interests to make 
as many friends outside of the European Union as she yes. can right now. Absolutely. This is during a week where Germany has said that they, uh, their industry will not continue to be close allies with the UK uh, post-Brexit. We not Nobody's really sure how much they mean that or what that means for the UK going forwards. But it's worrying. Yes. Theresa May's really gone into this looking to make friends uh, in America, especially, but also China, India, Japan. Almost every non-European G20 country is of great interest to her at the moment. The thing that people will be most interested in will be her conversations with Donald Trump. There is apparently a special friendship between the two of them. So, which, um, so they do a they 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 they, they go into a, a room by themselves for two hours. It's an allotted two hour time period. They went over that. They continued talking longer than they needed to, which generally says that it was a good meeting. Yeah, Trump's very interested in the second we're out of the European Union starting up a trade deal with us. He's very confident. Uh, he says it's going to be very very good uh, for everybody. <laughs> uh, I think it's it's worth. We at the Abyss have not been the biggest proponents of Trump. We didn't think he would win. We predicted he wouldn't. Then he did. And that wasn't great. And we've we've said a lot of things about him. But it's worth pointing out here that he is president of the United States. Doesn't look like he's going anywhere anytime soon. And Brexit is going to happen. So the fact that our Prime Minister had a good meeting with him, as embarrassing as it is is also quite good news. There's this really... So after their uh, meeting, their two-and-a-half-hour meeting, uh, they are sitting there. Uh, Theresa May doesn't say a lot. Um, it looks like Trump speaks for her a lot of the time. She does look quite uncomfortable with the whole situation. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, Trump says that they had a great conversation. They have a very special friendship, which felt vaguely disgusting. Made me want to vomit my mouth uh, when he said it. <laughs> um, he says that he will be visiting London soon. Nobody in the UK wants. No, that well, there was talk of banning him from the country at one point. So general opinion towards Trump is not fabulous. Especially over his comments over the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan. Uh, he has been yes. very unkind to Sadiq Khan. A lot of people are very unhappy with everything that he said. Unsurprisingly, I th it, it's worth mentioning as well, and we'll, we'll talk more about the Paris Agreement later. They didn't discuss it in Theresa their May, private bilateral meeting. Theresa May made signs before G20 that she was in her conversation with Trump. She would be a tough, stern woman. Um, and a lot of people during the general election said many, many times that they thought Theresa May was a tough, stern woman. But she uh, she didn't go in guns blazing. She didn't go in to draw blood, she went in to make friends. If Jeremy Corbyn was Prime Minister, he would not be cozying up to Trump. No, but I think... And that's that's a double-edged sword. Either you're interested in the future of the, our economy, and you say, no matter what, you have to cozy up to Trump if you want to be successful. Yeah. That's a valid argument. Yes. And then, for especially for a lot of young people, there's the argument that you don't jump in bed with a man who has been accused of a lot of very unsettling things. Yeah. I don't disagree with the fact that May is trying to make friends with the US because with her and her party heading towards a hard Brexit, if we didn't have a trade deal with the US, we'd be in pretty serious trouble, frankly. Somebody else that, um, that had a successful bilateral meeting with Trump 
was the Russian, Russian President Vladimir Putin. So apparently there were discussions regarding Syria and the Ukraine. There has been a ceasefire and apparently, according to Putin, Trump and the US have suddenly become much more pragmatic in his view with regards to certain conflict. They also discussed allegations that Russia had tampered in the US election. Donald Trump and his team have been throwing around all sorts of strange allegations towards Hillary Clinton and her team and a lot of people within... I don't know, they don't really call it the civil service in America, do they? Uh, but they're equivalent. Yeah. I. Um, it's been it's been massive, and it's not something we've covered, uh, which is our mistake. We probably should have done. Um, a lot of it happened while we were off the air. I, 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 I tend not to bring issues of Trump to the table just because uh, it always feels like it's just a man publicly shooting himself in the foot on repeat <laughs> and nothing ever happening about it. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. funnily enough, in this meeting, Putin denies any tampering in the US elections. Which shocked everyone. Well, exactly. <laughs> and um, even more surprisingly, Trump was placated by this and agreed that, yes, no, Russia had not tampered in the elections in the slightest. So for the more cynical of us and the more cynical listeners, obviously... If the two had worked together, which is just conjecture, if they had, then this is exactly how this meeting would have gone. And this is exactly the sort of things that we would expect them to be saying. It's always been Trump's foreign policy to be friendly with uh, Russia. He's always had great respect for Putin. It's arguably very sensible to be friendly with Russia. Regardless of any allegations, true or false, good relations between Russia and America cannot be a bad thing. It it was a a worrying time when they were at each other's fronts. So whilst the prospect of Russian influence in America is slightly worrying, whether that is the case or not, good international relations between the two powers should be a comfort to a lot of people, especially those that lived through uh, the Cold Cold War War and and some (laughs) of the more fraught times in the relations between the two parties uh, the two countries so it is worth mentioning that there is a lining we don't see Theresa May cozying up to Putin no um I'm not sure if that's because we're just not a big enough player at the moment or if it's because the Russian government is too far to the right of where the UK is at the moment Mm. or where it will ever be um whereas the right wing of the American public Following her deal with the DUP, I think Theresa May has used up her quota for dealing with far right wing groups. And I think any further attempts would um, would be the end of her personally. Yeah. um, Interesting to view her record on issues with countries like Saudi Arabia on that um, and how they conflict with the left in the UK. Um, I wonder if we'll see that feedback into the conversation we were having earlier um, about the Tories maybe dragging themselves to the left. Yeah. Uh, Their international position with some of those countries may be up for negotiation, but we'll see on that. That's just purely speculation. A massive point of contention at the G20 was the Paris Agreement and environment. Now, 19 of the countries uh, reiterated the fact that the Paris Agreement is irreversible and uh, reiterated their 
complete commitment to it. One didn't. Take a guess. Uh, Donald Trump has made it very clear over his time in the spotlight recently that he has a distinctly unique view of crime. <laughs> 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 That's um, such a good way of putting it. He he is interpreting facts in ways that nobody else uh, does. Uh, and, you know, maybe it's valuable to have a, a voice like his on the world stage if, you know... Maybe we need some contention, but regardless, he has made America a, somewhat of an outcast yes. in that G20 it, summit it's because worth, of this. It's worth pointing out here that the international importance of the Paris Agreement cannot be underestimated. America's dissension from it is a massive diplomatic deal. It's a big problem. Germany, France, a lot of the European powers are decidedly unimpressed by this move. Obviously, it's unlikely that anyone is going to start a real diplomatic conflict with the US because it's the US. They're still very powerful. They're still very wealthy. But their standing on the world stage as a respectable, forward-thinking nation has fallen off a cliff. And I mean, you say nobody's going to oppose them, but Macron has been throwing punches ever since he stepped foot into office. I mean, obviously he's incredibly pro-Europe, so he's been throwing punches towards the UK every time that um, we cosy up to Trump. But he's been, every time there's something to do with climate, he punches to them. He released a video to Facebook calling for American climate scientists to emigrate to France, saying that that the French government would be willing to pay to create the jobs there for them. These are obvious, distinct threats when it comes to these issues that liberals find so important. That is quite true. I mean, actively courting scientists... In another country. Like, your government may not care for you, but we do. This is... Yeah, (laughs) that is a a serious diplomatic attack. In the meetings uh, meetings the other day, France's diplomatic team, and Macron especially, uh, repeatedly were seen to have arguments with the negotiators for America, um, calling them out for uh, trying to implement a clause in which America said it would endorse other countries uh, trying to move towards clean fossil fuels, which is <laughs> a, an absurd statement. Cleaner, yes. maybe, is a realistic thing. Clean fossil fuels don't exist. It's so easy to see why the French president is uh, so anti-Trump. Yeah, I mean, Merkel, the German chancellor, came out and uh, completely deplored the move away from the Paris Agreement as well. There are a lot of leaders. Theresa May has also made comments against um, the US leaving the agreement. Not as strong as the other Europeans, but we're also in a weaker position. Um, So we don't have the luxury of being able to take such strong stances against the US. Yeah, Macron is... uh, He's got a lot of cards in his hand at the moment um and it'll be very interesting to see how he plays them going forwards macron has achieved something 
in getting into power that just it, it's extraordinary what he managed to do so aside from all the cards he has in his hand just by being president of france and with a huge majority um, in parliament yeah and with a huge majority the fact that he gained he founded the party that now has a huge majority and the president yeah. last year gives him an amount of political credibility that we simply haven't seen anywhere for a ridiculous yeah. amount of time so he really does he can go into battles with the US like he is so confidently because he knows that he has his country behind him he knows he has his government behind him and um as you say it will be very interesting to see what he does with that amount of political influence and that amount it will be interesting power. to see when it comes to issues like the middle east like china like russia who we turn to as the international opposition will we keep turning to america as the other voice or do we increasingly mm. start turning to europe this is the issue is because when Bre when we the country first first voted for brexit there was thoughts that there was enough dissension in other european countries that the whole eu might collapse and we could rebuild from the ground up what france was a key moment in that line of thought because if marine le pen had gotten in yeah that could have spelt the end for the eu that would have been the beginning of the end macron coming in and doing what he has done has strengthened europe as a whole to an extent that nobody could have foreseen and europe are going to start building themselves up again and it's entirely possible that we will leave and then start turning back to them when it comes to crises like you were discussing. I mean, Brexit's not great for for um, Europe anyway. No, they don't want it. Um, and you know, so I mean, we, we might be the ones who land the final blow on them um, and just in the in a kamikaze move take them down. But um, it it'll be interesting to see. Certainly. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the political abyss thank you very much yeah uh we look forward to bringing you those uh more projects in the future and we'll see you next week hopefully no 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 we will no hopefully no more hopefullys okay just say we'll see you next week we'll see you next week